Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today, and what an honor is mine to take this King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. I hope you're having a great day today. I hope that you've already spent some time walking with the Lord, spent some time in prayer, of course, Bible study, and do something to advance the ball today. Do something of eternal value. Don't just waste the time, but know the time, redeem the time, and let's use the time for the glory of God. It is time for the Lord to work, and I'm praying that He will. You see, but it's the last days. Yeah, it is. The fourth quarter is the most exciting time to be in the game. I want to do all I can do before the buzzer sounds, and I believe it's going to sound really soon, and I sure appreciate you and you taking the time out of your day to tune in and be a part of KNVBC and the uh, radio stations that uh, air our uh, Striving for Revival broadcast, or if you're listening to us on our podcast, thank you for doing that as well, and I sure appreciate that. You say, I didn't know you had a podcast. Yeah, we do, Striving for Revival. It's available also in podcast form, and you can find it on any podcast platform. And, of course, it's free. Just subscribe to it, and you'll have access to all of the Bible content that we've done and hours and hours of study there. And I pray it'll be a help and a blessing to you as you listen along uh, with me. We are in Acts chapter number 19. And in Acts chapter 19, Paul's in the city of Ephesus, and I'm going to look at a section of Scripture today uh, where an event takes place that is sort of uh, uh, sort of strange, really, but a lot of strange things happen in the book of Acts because we're in a transitional period. Uh, we don't have a complete Bible uh, during this time, and so God used signs and wonders, miracles through the apostles to authenticate and validate what was happening uh, both in their life and the life of those that they preached to. Also, these Jewish individuals, which, which is what mostly we deal with still in these early days of Christianity— were conditioned to look for a sign from heaven, and so these things took place, but they don't take place now, and if anybody says they do, then they're a liar, and that is poor Bible exposition. They're not rightly dividing the Word of God, and you need to mark that crowd and stay away from them. Was that, was, was that plain enough? I'm not sure if that was plain enough. All right, Acts chapter number 19. We're in the city of Ephesus. Let me read you a little background about the city. Ephesus was the third capital and starting point of Christianity. At Jerusalem, Christianity was born in the cradle of Judaism. Antioch had been the starting point of the church of the Gentiles. Ephesus was to witness its full development, the final uh, amalgamation of its unconsolidated elements in the work of John, the apostle of love. It lay one mile from the Icarian Sea in the far Asian meadow where myriads of swans and other waterfowl disported themselves amid the windings of the river, river Caister. Its haven, which had once been among the most sheltered and commodious in the Mediterranean, had been partly silted up by a mistake in engineering, but was still thronged with vessels from every part of the civilized world. It lay at the meeting point of great roads, which led northward to Sardis and Troas and southward to Magnesia and Antioch. This commanded easy access to the great river valleys of the Hermas and Meander and the whole interior of the continent. Its seas and rivers were rich with fish. Its air was salubrious. Its population multifarious and immense. 
its markets glittering with the produce of the world's art were the vanity fair uh, were the vanity fair of asia they furnished to the exile of patmos the local coloring of those pages in the apocalypse in which he speaks of the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and of fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and different kinds of precious wood and vessels of ivory and vessels of precious uh, brass and iron marble cinnamon odors ointments frankincense wine oil fine flour wheat uh, beasts sheep and horses and chariots and all of those different things are characterized by Ephesus. The Ephesians were devout worshipers of the goddess Diana, and the temple erected to her honor was considered to be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Constructed of the purest marble, it was said to have gleamed like a meteor to the eyes of all sailors entering their harbor. One man said the temple was 425 feet long and 220 feet broad, surrounded by 120 marble columns 60 feet high, each the gift of a king, of which 36 were beautifully sculptured, one from the hand of the famous man, a sculptor named Scopus. So it's a pretty interesting city where Paul has found himself. And so you can imagine that setting and that scene in this marvelous city. God has placed these Christians that are meeting together. And you better believe the devil doesn't like it that God's doing a work in Ephesus. Ephesus was the gateway to Asia. It was the gateway really to the world of that day. And so what a great responsibility. And no doubt that is why Paul made Ephesus for such a time his home base. Three years he's there laboring night and days. And he's disputing. Daily, We read last study in the school of one Tyrannus. So he's there uh, in that secular institution, that school, and he's teaching the Word of God. Isn't that a blessing, by the way, to all you church planners out there and you who are meeting in storefronts and school buildings and strange places? Uh, isn't that awesome how, how Paul even did the same? Paul met in a school and expounded the Word of God from the classroom. He just used whatever facility was made available uh, to him. Now, we're going to see something beginning in verse 11 and 12 that uh, we've got to uh, take some uh, uh, time to consider. Now, I mentioned a little bit ago the book of Acts is a transitional book. And so some things happen here in the book of Acts that uh, uh, don't happen anymore. But we do see some of these things uh, hijacked and uh, used sort of like a, a sideshow or a carnival act even today. Now, if you study history, religious history, and you look into this modern-day charismatic movement and where it came from, it is as much uh, a falsehood and uh, really a cult of sorts as Mormonism is. And I, I, I'm not trying to be unkind, I'm just trying to tell you the truth, that uh, it's riddled with heresy and apostasy and blatant violation of Scripture. And it's sad. It gets so much uh, momentum and so much of a following and so much money from innocent people who know not better uh, today because they're on television. There's an entire I mean, TBN is entirely this, right? And many of these movements that we see today, uh, a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the, the Bethel Church movement and uh, some of this new apostolic reformation, all of these things are charismatic to the bone, and all of it is, is fake, and it's false, and it's heretical, uh, really. But uh, some of these things, they're taken out of the Bible. They're just taken out of context. So one of these events takes place in Acts chapter 19 that I've seen modern-day uh, charismatic charlatans use. And look what it says in verse 11, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. 
All right? So that from his body were brought unto the sick, handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So this is an interesting event, and really there's no way to explain it except God's just doing what God wants to do to get people uh, healed and to have people get born again. God can do whatever he wants to do. He's not going to lie. He's not going to violate his word. But in this day, God is using these signs and these miracles to get the work done. Now notice... Paul is there, but it's God who is using Paul. And we can make an application for us from that scripture that when anything good comes through our life, it is not because of us, it is because of God. It's a good day when you and I realize that we're nothing and God doesn't need us. It is nothing but grace and mercy and God's amazing love that he allows any of us to be used for his glory. Thank God for that truth, that God will let us be in the ministry, that God allows us to be endued with power, that God would let us see a soul saved and help us uh, in, the, in the working of uh, the will of God in this generation. It is not us. It is God, and God used Paul. And I wonder if God can use you. You're going to have to present your body as a living sacrifice. You're going to have to yield to God and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But can God use your life like God used Paul? So there's an application. But I want you to see what happens in verse 12. It said, So that from his body were brought under the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. Now, Paul, by occupation, is a tent maker. So it is not coincidental that it says handkerchiefs and aprons. These are pieces of clothing, work wear, that a tent maker would use. Uh, no doubt he's got the apron on just like our bus mechanics will wear these aprons so they don't get grease all over their shirt or maybe sometimes a man who's welding so to keep the sparks off of him, uh, he has an apron. Uh, handkerchiefs to wipe the sweat, sort of like a headband would be around his head, keep the sweat from running down in his face. And so they, 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 they brought this to sick people and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out. You say, why in the world did that happen? I don't know why that happened except God chose to do that. But that does not happen today. It was God. It was not the apron. It was not the handkerchief. It is the power of God. We still believe in divine healing, but it is God that does the healing. It is not a piece of clothing. It is not you sowing a seed to some well-dressed man in a suit on television. It is not being good or not. No, no, it is God that heals. It is God who's in that kind of business. And so we see that, though, today where people are making merchandise of the people of God, selling them even prayer claws and handkerchiefs and holy things. If they'll buy it for $1,000, then they'll be free of whatever it is. And, and that's just a big bunch of mess. That's all that that is. Well, that's all the time we have today. Uh, join us next broadcast. Until then, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.